Hi, welcome to North Point Plus. This is episode 88. Uh, I have Rick with me. He just spoke uh, on Sunday. So, um, Sylvia, the hostess extraordinaire. Hostess with the most. That's right. <laughs> That's always what my mom would say. So uh, do you want to give us, we're talking about um, with an eye on eternity uh, in First Thessalonians. Do you want to give us a little review of what we talked about on Sunday? Sure. Nothing else to talk about ahead of time? I figured something would come <laughs> up, but I couldn't think of, I tried did to. You have a good, did you have a good Mother's Day? Oh, yeah. Yep. Did you wish your mother a happy Mother's Day? Oh, yeah. Yep. We went all out this time, um, and we're finally old enough, me and my sisters, to plan things like so she doesn't have to and even my dad doesn't have to i just nice. kind of told him what to do what we needed him to do did you fix lunch uh, i didn't my dad did but i bought everything so oh it kind of feels like good I for you charge yes and then i had my husband's family um celebration on saturday oh. so it was a very full weekend uh, mother's day eve yes <laughs> yes it was all day on saturday and then sunday so it was a big party weekend what did you guys do um we actually had two of our kids here for mother's day uh micah and holly oh. and that's the first time we've had two here for mother's day since micah well actually since we've lived here i think oh wow um because with five of the six lived in joplin for a long time mm. Uh, but before, even before Micah lived there, four of them did. So, and then one in Cincinnati. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yep. It, so it was fun, and Holly fixed lunch for Deb, so oh. Deb didn't have to fix lunch. I cooked steak on the grill. It was marvelous. Yeah, that, <laughs> good it's, meal. It's funny because for us, it really wasn't like a big to do or anything because yeah. you know some parties are kind of like a handful this was fairly laid back there was yeah. a lot of moving pieces but i mean it was just fun to hang out with everybody so yeah and then and then we did what mom really wanted which was after we ate we cleaned the flower beds so oh, yep that's what my my grandma she said we don't have to celebrate Mother's Day, but in a couple weeks, can we all do yard work at my house? That's, yeah, Deb was thrilled. So yeah. if you drive by the house, it looks different now than it did. Stuff that should have probably been done last fall, we fi but finally now you got have taken. A reason. Now you get the brownie points for doing it for Mother's Day. And now we can go buy flowers and yes. that'll all be good. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, so now we so can jump. So now, Mother's Day on Sunday, you spoke. Okay, review time. So uh, we're in. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, which really talks primarily about, there's kind of three sections in those 12 verses. One talks about holiness and sexual sin. Uh, the uh, verses 9, 8, 9, 10, 9, 10, somewhere in there, um, focus really on um, brotherly love. On, on excelling at brotherly love, at being the body of Christ, really caring about each other. And the last two verses talk about living a simple life, working with your hands, and uh, minding your own business. So uh, that's kind of the overview. Spent a lot of time talking about holiness mm -hmm. yesterday. Yeah, and so um, not to jump into our first question so fast, but a Mother's Day message on sexual sin. Whose idea was that? Because I am, if I'm being honest, I thought the same thing. I, was like, I know that this is just, you know, you even mentioned that we were getting a little out of order and like the, our messages, but I just thought that was funny. Yeah, who knows? Um, the, the, uh, when we originally planned, uh, working through the series in Thessalonians, 
um, we didn't really want to pause and do a separate Mother's Day message, so we're just working through Thessalonians. So with uh, doing Mohi last week, that moved things back. Otherwise, we would have been talking about the return of Jesus, and that would have been great um, material for lots of jokes about Mother's Day and um, waiting for the return of Jesus, because sometimes moms say, I brought you into this role, I'll take you out, um, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, so so we just moved things back and got it. So it just ended up that way. It, and it was kind of like um, uh, the same same kind of thing. Micah came home for Mother's Day and said, ah, come back to hear you preach. You preach on sexual sin. That's great. Yeah, uh, nice. Happy Mother's Day. Um, so it just happened that way. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of funny even during, I was in first service and um, we had a lot of people there. I think there yeah. was, I checked the number, it was like 260 something. And yeah. it was funny because at one point you said, wow, it's really quiet in here. And then somebody in front of me said, I thought the same thing. It was, it, um, it, it was different second service because there weren't as many people there. Yep. First service, it was, it was clear, I, I, at least to me, that God was speaking and people were processing stuff at a um, at an important level. Um, yeah, maybe so. Maybe it's a good thing that you spoke on this on Mother's Day because nobody expected it. So no, certainly, yeah. Guard a little. Yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. yeah. And I, we had like a lot of um, new people to come, but uh, I was gonna just jump into our second question. So, yeah. if you're not a Christ follower, holiness in the realm of sexual relationships sure seems stupid. Do the things you talked about apply if you're not a Christian? Yes, uh, that's a that's a great question. So, in the whole Mother's Day thing, like, okay, so you've got people in from out of town, people who don't normally come to church that are there on church, um, and for people who don't know Jesus, there there really is a sense in which it's kind of like. Okay, yeah, the Bible says that. Who cares? Um, mm-hmm. And and the thing that's that I think is just uh, an opportunity for us to talk about or to recognize, if you are a Christ follower, is that God's plan is true, no matter if you believe it or not. So so all the things that we talked about in terms of the the. Um, damage that comes in relationships, your damage in your relationships with yourself, your damage in relationships with others, damage in your relationships with the people that you sleep with. Um, it doesn't matter if you believe that the Bible's true or not, you live that out. I, I think that um, anybody who um, has multiple partners would recognize that that impacts them. Uh, it impacts them for the rest of their life. Um, uh, anybody who views sex as um, something casual, they know that that impacts them. It, um, I think most people, if they were honest, would say it deadens their soul, even though they might not talk about it in spiritual terms. And so um, all, all, that's, all that's real. The question is whether you see that as protection and provision or whether you see that as rules. Um, you know, just, oh, God's a cosmic killjoy that wants to just squash you and limit um, your enjoyment. Um, that, that that clearly is a perspective, but it, I think that, that we can have conversations with people and say, do you think life's better long-term this way or that or this way, and and then having a conversation about that um, is a is a really good conversation because it um, if God is God, and the instruction that He gives 
comes from Israel as creator, then it's going to work no matter no matter whether you believe all the other stuff or not. Mm-hmm. I think the um, just looking at that question, because like I have lots of friends who I don't know if they would consider themselves Christians or if it's kind of like they only come to church with their family. Like you said, people right. just come because it's Mother's Day or because yep. of Easter, Christmas, um, something like that, maybe because of family. And um, and I think they do see like, well, why are you following all these stupid rules? Like they see yep. it. Um, but then I think it's interesting because um, just from personal accounts and hearing people's stories when they say like, oh, that was such like a hard time in my life. Like I thought I was having fun partying and doing all that. But then it's like, oh no, like it, that wasn't fun. It wasn't great for me afterwards. Right. Like it wasn't like the best position I should be in. Like I think people just realize that after the fact. And so yeah. at the time they're like, I'm not following, you know, rules. And I don't know if it's stubbornness. And like, even you said, like we are um, in the world, not of it or yeah. something along those lines. And I think that's probably good for people to hear. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in that passage of scripture in, in the translation that, that I used, it says, don't copy the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really easy to say, oh, this is what everybody says. That's what I'm supposed to do. So when I go to college, I'm, I'm, going to experience life, you know, I'm going to experience lots of different kind of relationships, going to do all of that, um, and they don't know that there's a price mm-hmm. that comes with that, that, and a price that literally lasts the rest of their lives. Um, I'm an old guy now, so it talked to a lot of people, and, um, and there are, you know, when I talked about the consequences that come from, uh, fr- from, being in intimate relationships, not in the context of marriage, um, there are lots of people whose lives have been radically affected uh, um, by disease. That's a little easier now because there's medications that take care of stuff, but it still ha- that takes a toll on your body. But lots of people who it's like, okay, I have a kid or kids, and I'm not married to their mom or dad, and there's there's just a whole lot of wreckage that comes with that well it's hard because like it's like that it's not committing it's like there's still a way out kind of a deal yeah so like some people think they like that freedom but it's kind of like i don't think you get to really um experience like the deepness of how a relationship go and how the hard work is rewarding we talked about that like about people say that about anything when you're in sports like the hard work is worth it at the end people say it about gardening like right putting in the hard work first and then you get a beautiful you know reward at the end and you're a proud of it and accomplished you know of what you accomplished so um yeah i just think that some people <laughs> see it as freedom of rule you know away from rule yeah. following but yeah the, always feel that way yeah, um uh, back a long time ago um when when I was doing more student ministry stuff and we were talking about how to talk to kids about mm. uh, the power of sex and that kind of thing. And one of the illustrations I remember, I never did it, but I read about it and thought, this is really good, that what they would do is, um, is, is uh, you know, somebody who was talking about um, uh, abstinence which would have, would go into a classroom and say, okay, I need the toughest guy here. And, um, and so, you know, some, some guy would come up, whatever, and she should say, okay, I want you to sit down. And then, then she would put duct tape on his arm, Mm -hmm. um, and say, okay, you know, sex is like duct tape. It's, it connects people together and it creates a bond that's really, really powerful. Um, and then would rip it off (laughs) 
and say, um, how'd that feel? <laughs> you know, and the guy's going crazy. Um, and then she would subsequently put that same duct tape on other places on his arm mm. and peel it off again. Second time it hurt. Third time it hurt a little bit less. By fifth, sixth, seventh time, it's like, yeah, it just goes on, comes off. Um, and and it doesn't hurt nearly as much, but it also doesn't stick as close. And that there is, I, I believe with my whole heart that that um, God's design is that that physical intimacy, that, that sex in the context of marriage is it's a glue that helps seal that relationship. And that's true when you're young and it's true when you're middle-aged and it's true when you're old. Well, I think, you know, talking about it, that's like a great, but Andy, don't get any <laughs> yeah. because you will get a crazy pair of phone calls today, today, in yeah. today's day and age, there's no way yep. you can get through. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but we can talk about it. Well, that's right. We can tell the story and it still has the same impact. It, it, yes. Um, okay. So this is um, a little bit longer, but um, yeah. it, an extended family member of mine was at the service today and their perception of the message was that it's rule oriented, shame based uh, message that reinforced why they don't go to church. I, on the other hand, thought it was spot on and challenged me to make some changes in my own life. So my question is, how do we talk to non-Christians who hear clear moral teaching in scripture as judgmental and shame based? Um, that's a, that's a great question. And I think, um, I think anytime that we have an opportunity to talk to people about God's um, God's design is to talk about why that design exists and and how it might be helpful, rather than to say, "Oh, Leviticus twelve says X Y Z or you know whatever." Um, when we talk about it um, as a rule based kind of thing, um, that people people um, resist that they don't they don't want that. But like anything, it's it's like I can have a rule that says my kids have to invest, have to save ten percent of what they make or whatever, that they have to do that, and and I can force them to do that. It's it's hard. They do that. It's a completely different kind of thing when when they sit down and and look and say. Oh, if I save ten percent right now, if I put ten percent in a in an IRA or whatever, when I'm twenty two, when I'm when I'm fifty, I'm going to have you know this amount of money. All of a sudden, it becomes attractive because you realize the benefit that comes from that. So I think when you're having a conversation, to just be able to talk, um, to ask good questions, not to ask questions to try and with leading answers, but to say, how, how'd that work for you? You know, how did it work for you when you were sleeping around, you know, all those years or how, how is it, how does, how does, um, the choices that you're make, making now, how is that impacting your children or your siblings or your, you know, whoever it is, um, to, to just talk about it in, in a way that, um, so yeah, I hear you, but it's not about the rules. It's it's about how to live better. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's not rules for rules' sake. Yeah, and um, just that reminded me as you were talking. I'm finally at the age where I can look back at my parents and say, 
I get it. I know what you're talking oh. about. You know, like um, every time they told me I was doing something wrong or dumb or why are you doing that? And I would I would be so stubborn because like, you knew so everything. Stubborn. Right. Right. I mean, you know, at the ripe old age of like 17 and um, like now I just remember, though, being stubborn and thinking like they don't know what they're talking about. And finally, I was like. I see it with my friends now, though, or even like my sisters, other family members where I'm like, listen, like I know it's so stubborn to hear now, um, but it's just something you have to find out on your own. And so asking those leading questions, not trying to like, you know, get the answer you want or to try to trap them in something, but just to have them talk out loud to you and you're just helping guide that like yeah. process. Because, I mean, I was just talking to Jake Coward today about um, in when he was doing student ministry, how he would ask questions that he's like, I don't have an answer. Like, you have to figure that out on your own. Right. Like, because when you tell people what to do, it's completely different. You know, you get the defensiveness and all that. So, yeah, I, I think when you when you uh, it's so easy for us to um, to just accept what others people what other people say, because then we don't have to think. Mm-hmm. So if we accept what our parents say. That's that's easier until all of a sudden your parents aren't there. Um, if we accept what we see in movies and on TV, that's easy until you wake up the next morning and are thinking, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easy to not think. And so if we can help people think critically um, about the choices they make and why they make them and what they want, you know, um, uh, do you want it? Do you want to carry a load of baggage for the next forty years of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, and like uh, just with the question, you know, that it's shame based or judgmental, where it's like that's not what we're trying that's to not go for. Th- yeah. I think that's the defensiveness when people right. start to feel like you're yelling at me or you're judging me, and it's like, no, I'm just I want you to live the best life that you right. can because with certain people, like kind of like my mom's, like I lived a long life where I had, you know pain and hurt and then i'm like oh this is the great you know this is the better way to live so she tries to tell me that i'm too stubborn (laughs) but like so when you're talking to other people it's just like i just want what's best for you you right right but um can you talk more about the dangers of pursuing holiness that you mentioned oh yeah yeah the um it's funny because it it felt like i don't typically try and teach a negative end of thing when i when i when i'm working through stuff but but I, I felt like this is really, really helpful because you hear a message on holiness and say, oh, yeah, I want to be holy. Um, and there are some, sub, um, some, some conversations happening underneath that, some assumptions that, that happen that are really good to wrestle with mm-hmm. and, to, and to come to grips with. So, so one of them is... Um, the uh, let me just make sure that I have um, the 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 first danger in pursuing holiness is that we think if we just live holy enough, if we just make enough right decisions, that God will love us more, mm-hmm. and and that that will be good enough. If I can if I can make sure that I protect myself from sexual sin, then then I'll be okay with God, and that's that's a false um, it's a false assumption. And it's misguided, and it won't it won't create lasting change. Yeah, it's like it, burnout fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. I. It's funny because I thought about sharing this yesterday, and it didn't make it in. Um, the uh, the the things that we do to to uh, to protect 
us and to help us make choices that that allow us to be holy. Um, I had a um, I, I had a friend. I will say a friend. I had a friend. This is not me, but I really did have someone in my life that struggled. This is a long time before things were on TV that are on TV now, but just wrestled with TV getting in the way of his relationship with God. And, you know, it turned it off and make a list and do things to limit the impact of media on his mind and his heart. And he finally cut the cord to his TV. He like severed the wires so that the TV wouldn't be plugged in. Mm. Um, and I, the reason I remember is because then he talked about like, I forget what the, what the reason was, but then taking the end of the cord and patching it together so that he could watch again and watch something that he wanted to watch yeah. and just talked about that struggle. Yeah. That is such a visual image to me of that struggle between right and wrong that goes on for us. If we try and just curb our, our, um, our, our desires mm-hmm. to be holy, it's not going to work. So that's, that's the first one. Or it's, if we try and, and be holy so that God will accept us, that's not going to work. Um, the, the second one um, I could have spent a lot more time talking about because there really is theology that says um, if w- when you're made holy by giving your life to Jesus, when that happens, that that eliminates the sin nature that's in us, that you'll never sin again. Mm-hmm. And that if, you, if you're still sinning, it's because you've not given yourself fully to God. And, and that's it's just not, not true. It's either. it's not sustainable, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. And that then creates this sense of failure and defeatism and and alienation from God because it's like I'm trying, right. but I keep falling, and so some uh, there's got to be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm really not saved or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's just we are we are never going to eliminate the sin nature in us. Um, no matter how much we love Jesus, because we 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 live with the curse of Adam. That right. that Still that human. yeah, <laughs> we we've um, we struggle with sin. Um, and the third thing um, is that w- that we pursue holiness so that you think I'm holy. Mm. You know that it's we're not, I know I'm not really holy, but I I care. I want other people to think I'm holy, so I pursue holiness, and I create lots of rules. So I say, oh, I can't go to that movie because people will think, oh, he's not very righteous, mm-hmm. or I can't, um, you know, I, I can't do X, Y, Z. I can't uh, do this kind of behavior or go to this kind of place or whatever, and, um, and that's not holiness either. And that really—I that really, um, said in both services— the core of the message is how is it that you're holy? Well, you 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 grow in your holiness by growing in your love for Jesus. That that the more you love Him, the more you give Him your your mind and your heart, the more you're drawn to Him, and the more that you recognize that anything else is just that. In my notes, <laughs> the the word was drivel. Um, I, I I thought. If I say drivel in the sermon, people are going drivel. But drivel is a word that means nonsense. It's just nonsense to think that those other things will be fulfilling and, and create 
happiness. They'll, you know, they'll fill that, that, that hole that's in us. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more that we're drawn to him, the less attractive those things become. And, and so the holiness that comes, that's the not yet holiness that Larry talked about a couple of weeks ago, we are made holy through Jesus' death on the cross, but we're not yet holy because it's, it's a, that's a lifelong process. The more that we give Jesus our life, the closer to him we get, the holier, the, the more holy we're, uh, our life becomes. Yeah, and I think it's really important that you brought these up because at first, you know, I don't know if I was the only one who thought it, but it's kind of like, well, okay, we already know that a little bit. Like, you know, we got to be careful with those things or whatever. But I think it's important because you can see where your good intentions get tripped up like in this like when you were talking about the last one like so other people think I'm holy I feel like you know we're supposed to like what we're told I think sometimes is like well when you act like a Christian and you're doing good things then that brings other people to Christ and it's like okay so now everybody's watching me and that's where that comes from I'm only doing it because I want other people to see me where and what you said is like it's well when when in reality the more holy we are, the more we're drawn to Jesus, the more attractive Jesus is, not the lifestyle. Right. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. And I mean, you called the sermon, uh, what I and attorney people like, uh, the whole time, like, eyes on the prize. <laughs> like, yeah. Eyes on Jesus. That's, yeah. like, that's what we're, uh, that's what we, our goal should be. Yep. All right. So this was another um, long one. So can you talk to couples about being careful about one spouse wanting to exercise with another? opposite sex person with another couple it looks harmless but should never happen no matter how innocent it looks it's dangerous um yeah do you want to talk more yeah yes so um there there's a very specific question in there Mm -hmm. and and there's i think a bigger question in terms of recognizing um choices that we make that put us in vulnerable places yeah um and so what do we do? How, how do we approach that? Um, I think, uh, you know, Jesus said, be wise as serpents and as, as, uh, as soft as doves, wise as surf- serpents and um, innocent as doves uh, is, is what that says. Uh, I think that we need to recognize that we can be pretty stupid sometimes and oh, end up yeah. in situations where it's, it's it's just really dangerous. That's true physically. Is there's a whole bunch of times in my life where I've thought, "How did I end up here? This is not the best place to be. It's not the best situation. This is really really dangerous." Or have you ever heard when people say like, "If you have to ask, then it's probably yeah. not a good idea." Yeah, <laughs> kind of a deal. Like same thing. Like if you have to be like, "Well, is this okay?" Yeah. Why are you asking? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? But 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 even on practical terms. So I'm I'm trying to think of uh, one of the more recent ones. Um, when I was skiing in Utah with with some guys from North Point this oh. February, there were a couple of times that I ended up on in a place on a ski slope that it was like, "Why am I here? This is not very smart, and it's going to be." painful to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing happens for us spiritually, that it's like sometimes we kind of wake up and say, how did I end up in this mess spiritually? And so we need to be wise. 
and um, and to recognize that the power of sexual attraction that God built into us, both as men and women, um, and the and that that glue aspect that's there, um, God intentionally made that really really powerful. Don't downplay that. And so you have to you have to be protective of your marriage vows. You have to be protective of of um, the danger that's there, you know, whether you're married or not, in in terms of um, of just recognizing. I, I I would even say the same thing is true. You know, when couples, uh, I talked about doing premarital yesterday. Um, when couples are engaged, you've got to be extra careful to limit um, being in situations where where um, yeah, you know, assuming that that you're waiting until marriage. To um, to consummate the the, the marriage, um, that you don't end up in a situation where where you just lose track of stuff because of the power of sexual attraction that God built into us. So you've you've got to do that at um, at all kinds of stages in in your life in in your relationship. And so, um, I, I, we live in a culture. Oh boy, I, I don't know that I've thought through this. Um, and so. Be gentle with me in terms of my wording right now, but um, we live in a culture that that um, downplays our responsibility in terms of how it impacts others. So, um, I, you know, the most common thing in the last several years is that it's not uncommon for women to say, I can wear whatever I want, mm-hmm. and if guys think the wrong thing, that's their fault. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it's their fault. But but there is culpability. There's responsibility that comes with the actions that we take that impact others negatively. Yeah, that's interesting because I think that is like very hot topic. That's not. I mean, not. I wouldn't. I don't even know. Not anymore as much. Like because now people do just wear whatever they want, and it's not so much a conversation piece. You know, at least with like younger people, like that's not even. Um, like you said. <laughs> we haven't thought this through. But no, like, we. Uh, it's just yeah. kind of like it's one of those things where you know that's something, especially my generation and even younger, like watching yep. my sisters and on social media and going through things. Um, it's easy to get wrapped up in oh well, this is what everybody else is saying, kind of a deal. So this is what I'm going to do. And and to just not think through yeah. um, how the choices that we make impact others. This is same, same thing, you know, from the opposite. And it's easy for a guy to say, eh, I'm just, you know, I'm just being a guy. If she takes that the wrong way, yep. um, that's her fault. And I think we talked it's, about, it's just not. Yeah. And I think we talked about it in another podcast. I'm pretty sure it was you and me where I just said like, right now it's very like a self-centered like culture maybe yeah. is the way to say it. Like it's all about me and well, I need free time. I need me time. Like, which like, yeah, there's a time and place where if you need to be by yourself to regroup, cause I'm that type of person, I yeah. need to like go recharge away from others kind of a deal. But I don't know, maybe it's just part of being adult is doing things that you don't always want to do and taking care of others. But then it's also realizing like when you get married, like we are like <laughs> Jacob and I are one person right. now. So it's like, yep. His feelings are my feelings, and I right. care about the things he cares about, and then vice versa. So it's that whole hundred hundred thing that I yeah, talked about too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the um, I think way back when uh, a couple of years ago, podcast with Mark, we talked about um, 
we think it's easy for us culturally to say, I have the right to do what I have the right to wear whatever I want. I have the right to go wherever I want. I have the right to drink as much as I want. I have the right to do whatever. When we choose to follow Jesus, we give up our rights. It's, it's not, we don't have the right to do anything except to live for Jesus. Because if he is Lord, he's the one that determines every choice that we make, every action. And my, my rights are curbed. My rights are limited. My rights, uh, you know, I don't have rights. I, my life is impacted by how my actions impact others. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put you in danger, I don't have I don't have the right to do that. If I if I'm going to um, if I'm gonna um, jeopardize my marriage, I don't have the right to do that. Uh, um, and 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 that's not um, that's not a bad thing. That's not a penalty thing. That's honoring the people that we care about. Right. You know, it's it's living out our faith, being in love with Jesus, and having that limit, uh, uh, having that impact the choices that we make, the action. Yeah, sure. Like just to talk to people, um, maybe who don't agree with the way you live or don't you know think the same way as you um, in regards of like how you live your life or marriage or all like everything that we've been talking about. Like how do you? It was one of the questions. How do you talk how do you to do that? Yeah, yeah. but just. I, I don't know, just because I feel I'm thinking of like how I've talked with some of my friends and yep. how it just doesn't go over well, kind of a deal, or like, yep. or it just doesn't it doesn't click, doesn't register. They say yeah, whatever kind of deal. Or so with the younger kids, it's hard because it's getting shoved down your throat all the time. You sound so old. I with the, know. With those younger I, kids, how, how old are you, Sylvia? Twenty four. <laughs> I, I love it. Old. I my love sisters it. would say I'm old. You're they make fun of me because they say 1999. They, they say that's your birthday. That's embarrassing. And I'm like, they're all 2000s babies. So just that's with funny. younger kids, because I you were born in a different century. Yeah, they make fun of me. They're relentless. <laughs> younger siblings. <laughs> but yeah, so like, how do you talk to younger kids who? You said you know see people dressing up however they want. How do I you know tell my siblings like oh. It, you don't have to do that. Like, or you're, cause you can't force anybody right. <laughs> to care about others. Yeah. But how do you even bring that up? I, I think, I think it's, uh, well, you know, it really is about being in relationship with somebody. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't, um, to just try and engage in the conversation, um, unless somebody knows that you care deeply about them. Right. It's not going to be productive. It won't go over well. Um, I think, I think, Again, I just don't think that we critically think very often. So I think to be able to say, hey, when you're wearing that, why are you wearing that? And what, and do you, do you know what that communicates to other people? Do you know that it communicates that you are whatever? Um, the, the, uh, and, and to not do that in a slap them upside of the head mm-hmm. kind of way. Um, well, you can, but to say, but to say, I, I, you know, to say to one of your sisters, hey, you know, when you wear that, and you're talking to a guy, where's his attention? Yeah, um, and see, it is hard for me too because I kind of think in the way of like younger, like when you said that, like I kind of think that way too. Like why um, I don't dress? I, I don't think I dress like crazy. Provocatively, I really don't think I do, but. Um, when it, when they talk about more serious topics, more of like a guy, you know, if 
somebody came up and touched me, you know, inappropriately, but I was wearing this. Like, that makes sense yeah. to me. So, like, I think it's also meeting people halfway, like, saying, I understand this part, you know. Right. You just have to understand that, you, well, you said, you have a responsibility, like, to help others. And um, I think um, right now, another thing that goes around with young kids and on social media, which, yeah. okay, I'm a young kid, too. <laughs> I see it yeah. on social media, but is, like, being kind to others like people say oh be kind like that's coming back now it's just why can't we just be so why can't we be nice to others and it's like it's a good question (laughs) but also it's like it's part of that responsibility like that is also thinking about others is being kind and it just seems like a revolutionary idea now for i don't know why (laughs) Um, because uh, i think because when kindness becomes a secondary or third Mm -hmm. kind of issue you miss it. Yeah, yeah it, it, it becomes so attractive when somebody is kind. And I don't mean attractive in a sexual kind of way. I just, no, just it's, it's, it, you're drawn, you're to, drawn it. to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there, I just think that we need to think and pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit to help show us. Because, like, I've got ministry friends, one ministry friend in particular who would say, I will never touch a a girl like at all. Like mm. they want to hug me, that they're the hug and I'm not responding. Um and and that's probably very safe in our culture. Um I, I tend to think on the uh, I I try to tend to think uh, um from a big picture kind of perspective to say, you know what, there there are kids that um, don't get hugs that don't get any mm-hmm. touches and if i can if i can give them a hug in a really wholesome kind of way that affirms them without any kind of weirdness to it right. that's that's so valuable but we live in uh, you know things are so oh, messed yeah. up that that we have to we have to think and we have to trust the holy spirit Right, and so um, correct me, like if this doesn't make sense, what I'm about to say, but it's a responsibility for like other people um, to just start thinking about others. But also, I think as a Christian, it's our responsibility to like, um, like what you said, is think before you say, pray right. about it. What you just said, right? Like, because sometimes I think um, what we don't go about it the best way either. So, like, right. I think it's it's really every single person's responsibility in this situation because you know. People need to be more receptive too. Yep. People need to be more respe- receptive, and people need to come at it a little bit more gentle. I think because yeah. some sometimes these conversations can go wrong. A lot of times these conversations can go wrong because that's why yeah. people get upset and then flip so hard the other way and are so argumentative. You know, even as I was just talking a second ago, I thought I'm well, I'm on a recording and I'm saying, yeah, I hug kids. Um, <laughs> it's, ah! But um, I but like and people can take anything in the wrong way. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like. If you are confused about something, like just ask questions and come in it. Be gentle. Like right. even one of my best friends, like we don't agree on everything politically or even, you know, even religion wise. We do yeah, not agree, but it's just we talk to each other so gently and respectfully right. that it works. Like it's just and, and then I always think, why can't I talk to everybody like this? And it's just you have to have that. It's a mutual it's, respect. And yeah. like you said, um, you have to have that relationship with people. So some, right times it's I'm, i know certain people i'm like i'm not going to get into that with yeah them. and you have to cultivate that kind of relationship yeah. and and sometimes that's hard because 
uh, the person that you're talking to doesn't want to go there. Yep. They don't want to have that kind of conversation. And I think when that, when you recognize that that's the case, you can't um, persist and try and say, I want to have this conversation. Right. You just have to kind of back off yep. and affirm things that, that you know to be true, to be able to say, you know what, I care about you too much. I don't want, I don't want to fight about this. Yeah. I care about you too much. And always be that person where they can yeah. come right. and talk to you. Like yep. kind of that. Um, yep. We kind of got off the topic of marriage, but just to uh, bring it back. So the purpose for marriage. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> well, I, I talked about it. That I, um, it really was kind of revolutionary for me um, to discover that Catholic dogma says there are three purposes of marriage. Mm. Having kids, um, having a lifetime relationship with someone, and having a place where, where sex is honored, um, the intimate physical relationship is, is honored by God. Um, what was so revolutionary for me in that was if I said to you before you and Jake got married, what's the purpose of marriage? I probably would have said, um, I don't know. I feel like I would have said, you know, to have a best friend, like a partner in life kind of a deal. But also because we're just told that's what you do. Oh, <laughs> and that may be. Yeah. I, I think I do think most people, if you peel back the onion and ask the why question multiple times. Yeah. Even if you talk about having a permanent best friend, um, most people would say, because I want a permanent best friend. Mm. I want to find fulfillment in this relationship. I, I want somebody to meet my needs. Do you think that's the same for Christians and non-Christians? I think it's true for everybody that okay. doesn't think. Oh. Um, and, and, well, I, th- I think that that's, I think culturally that's the mindset that we have, which is completely different in other cultures. Because if you have an arranged marriage, mm-hmm. it's not so you can be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know if you're if your mom and dad and their mom and dad so are seeing it, what's the purpose of marriage well it's to create a family and to yeah. have kids and um to be together for us that it's the whole happiness piece is not even on the radar in our culture a part of part of why i want to use that in premarital is because to uh, to have people identify and say i'm getting married because i want to be happy um uh to be able to say you know what marriage will never make you happy it just won't and if you think that as soon as you stop to be happy yeah. you're ready to bail yeah if there if the purpose that you get married is so that you can be happy when you're not happy anymore what's keeping you there because mm. uh, it's hard Oh yeah. yeah, I was gonna uh, say. I mean, marriage is a great thing, but it is, it's like hard work. It's hard. And a lot. I think a lot of people do talk about that. I love you, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jacob. <laughs> no, but I mean, everybody knows that. Like, it it yeah. takes work, and um, I think even when you talk about being uh, like you know having a best friend, relationship, any relationship takes work. It takes work for me to be in a good relationship with my mom or my mother in law or your boss. My <laughs> boss takes work. <laughs> takes work. Let me tell you, this guy. <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah. I think when um, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, like when you're not committing to somebody fully, then yeah. it's easy to just bail and have a way out. Right. So uh, yeah, I I think many I'm the thing that you hear all the time when people get a divorce is ah, I I don't love I don't don't love them anymore. I'm not happy in the marriage. Yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. That's not its purpose. And it's the same as what you said, um, like, as having sex before, um, where it kind of, like, it is ripping two people apart right. kind of a deal. And so it's the same with marriage and divorce. That's why it's so hard. It's because you're literally ripping people apart yeah. and uh, families. And, um, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I can see how it's hard. I ha- I have not had to go through that, um, thankfully enough. But it, you can just see other people how hurt and damaged and it make relationships and it um it damages more than just the two people who are married to each oh, other yeah yep um yeah um yeah. so we also talked about make it your goal to live a quiet life minding your own business and working with your hands did yeah. we talk about that uh, um, we talked about a little I, bit maybe oh yeah the the, the one thing that, I, that didn't really make it in the message is that you know i talked about the greek culture they felt like manual labor was was beneath them. Oh, yeah. Um, but, um, but Which sometimes people do now. Oh, yeah. Make fun of oh. people who do manual labor, even yeah. though, it's like, how, like, how do you think you got your house, though? Yeah. <laughs> so. You know what's really interesting to me is so we lived in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. where um, uh, highest educational level in the country, uh, highest income, all that kind of stuff. And, and people do all kinds of stuff and hire out anything manual that needs to mm-hmm. be done. Um, moving to Michigan, there is a higher level of um, esteem for the trades in Michigan than any place that we've lived. More, more so than Missouri, more so than Ohio, more so than in Washington, D.C. More so than Ohio. Okay. I yeah. To... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the tr- and maybe it's been where we've lived, you know, oh, the, sure. the, the more... Um, upper middle class yeah. uh, kind of environment, the, yep. m- the more it's like, ah, they're just a whatever, you know, just a plumber, just an electrician, yeah. whatever. And in Michigan, there's there really is culturally a value to somebody who's a carpenter, somebody who, who can fix things, somebody who works in the plant on, yeah. on cars, all that kind of thing. Um, here's, here's what I wanted to say more about that in the message that didn't happen was in the first century, that, that was one aspect of it. But also, um, commentators say that Paul was really targeting people that were political, mm-hmm. that the guys who would stand around the city and wax That's eloquent about stuff and, that didn't do anything. Yeah. And, and he says, look, live a simple life, mind your own business, and do something with your hands. Do something productive. Don't yeah. just yap about stuff. That's my biggest pet peeve. Is funny you say that. Is like yeah. the people who will always like bring up problems or either complain or whatever, even if they mean it well, but then they don't do anything. Or right. like you offer solutions and then nothing happens. Right. Biggest pet peeve. And I realized yeah. that in high school. Like we're you know doing yeah. class meetings, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like if you don't yeah. like this. What should we do then? Oh, nothing. Yeah. Like it's yeah. kind of just like, come on now, people. <laughs> yeah. So, so I I think the challenge that's there for us is to recognize, um, okay, there there were some cultural things that were going on. Whether whether it was um, people had bad view of people who did manual labor or people who were just taking advantage. Christians that uh, commentators also say that within the church in Thessalonica, there were people who were so consumed with thinking Jesus is going to return, Jesus mm-hmm. is going to return. They were, that they didn't do anything, yep. and they were then looking to other people to support them financially while they're waiting for Jesus to come back. And Paul's saying, nah, no, get to work. Yeah, um, keep your life going. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, 
I, I think when you look at all of that and say, okay, how's that apply for us in, two, in 2023? I think there really is a challenge to say there's something really valuable with, with being able, excuse me, with being able to do physical stuff to create things. Um, I, I've said before when we were in Ohio, and ministry is one of those things that it's like, yeah, I'm not building anything. I'm not. I, I'm building people's lives. Hopefully, helping them know Jesus. But part of what I loved about our our place in in Ohio was that we had 50 fruit trees. And there was something incredibly fulfilling for me about being able to go work in the fruit trees oh, yeah. and prune and um, and gather and and fertilize, do all that stuff that was manual labor to create a harvest. Um, and so I think that there is something that's really beneficial, no matter kind of where we are in life, whether that's uh, gardening, building, yeah. uh, um, carpentry, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I don't know if a lot of people know, I know we've talked about it on here before, but I have a farm. And it sounds like to me that Rick just said he wants to come do farm chores <laughs> with me bright and early. Come on, Rick, um, you can bring your family. I'll teach you all how to take care of all the cows, chickens. That's what um, it sounded like to me anyway. I, I could have taken that. Route, I know. Uh, you guys are working with your hands and <laughs> next, that's next staff out good stuff that's what we should do yeah yes, go into the barn janet is um, not coming no, <laughs> I, I don't even have to invite her i know the answer is no um, yeah I, I i'm i am <laughs> shamefully unaware uh, my grandpa had a farm but we and we would go once or twice a year well we would go hunt and i'd see all the farm stuff but i don't know anything about you know, I won't Farm lie, life. though. Honestly, my favorite is when people get to come and just kind of do it for fun. Yeah. I love when people bring their kids yeah. or whatever, because it's like, yeah, day on the farm. Yeah, Make one, a little one, outing. One, <laughs> one of our uh, one of our daughters, uh, when she was in high school, really loved horses and was trying to trying to get horse time. And part of how she got horse time was muck and stalls. Oh yeah. Um, and and that's hard, dirty work but necessary to have horses. Yep. So just yeah. part of it. So. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else you want? I'm done. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sticking with us and watching our um, episode of North Point Plus. Um, we'll see you next week. Please uh, like, subscribe, share, all of that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we will uh, see you again in a week. <laughs>